Strap one on, it's time to jam. Sam, we we fucked up because this this episode goes up in three days, and we had such a good lead. <laughs> we had such a good lead for the longest time. We were looking at the schedule and going, "Oh wow, in four weeks we're caught up. We better knock something out." So <laughs> yeah, that panned out. Wow. Welcome to the new era of Goodwill is hunting, a shinier era, perhaps. For it's us, at least. New, it, it's a new era for us, but it's the old era of Willis. Yes. So if you've been keeping up, I guess we, no, we would have mentioned it in Airstrike, which was the last episode because we recorded that. That was the last thing we did. And it was the same time as our, here's what we're going to do. So as you then probably know, we have decided to turn this into not just a focus on the latter era of Willis's career, which we will still do. The idea is we're going to do two classics and then we'll do one from our immediate list so that there's a little bit of balance because the unfortunate news we discussed is that the the newer stuff is you know finite. So we don't want to run out too quick. So we started to, you know, we're going to start dabbling, dabbling in the past as well. Gonna it's start. gonna be interesting for me because I think so far of the movies we've discussed discussing, I've seen like two, which is awesome. Uh, I've seen a lot of them, but always, almost always, one time. So, looking at our wheel that we will spin at the end of this conversation, there's I only I think there's a, no, I don't think there's any movies I've seen on there more than one time. So there's only one I've seen, Looper. That's even better. And I've only seen, I've seen Looper one time in theaters with you. Yep. So that's one I'm excited to revisit in 4K because I got the 4K discs. So I'm going to watch Looper at its best. Man, here's a tangent. We're going to bring tangents to this podcast too. It used to be a real focus podcast. So here's a new change, tangents. We watch <laughs> a lot of 4K discs in this house, me and the missus. And the sh- so the whole thing with 4K, as you know, Sam, is that it looks really sharp. And really colorful. And I guess the missus, I'll call her the missus on this podcast, apparently, instead of just wife, is not used to that and will comment that it looks wrong. Like something looks weird. She's like, is there like a, a wrong setting? Like, why does it look like this? It's, it's like, it looks sharp. That's what it's supposed to look like. It's like everyone just looks so like there. It's like, yeah, we're not supposed to see people like this. I'm kind of with her though. Like there's some, I don't know. My parents' TV has like a setting on it that like, I think ours does too, but I made Mike turn it off. I the guess. motion smoothing one. I, I don't know. It makes everything too sharp. It makes it like, I don't know. We're, we're like, look, everything there's, looks... like an, there's an uncanny Valley feeling where it's like too real. It's just, bleh. I don't like it either. Well, there's the, yeah, the motion smoothing soap opera thing, which I think a lot of TVs default to. I, we can see our neighbor's TV through the window and they have that <laughs> setting turned on. And I have to be talked down that it would be a weird thing to go over and go, 
Hey, yeah, drop. can you give me your TV remote for four seconds? Thanks. There. Now this won't bother any of us. Who is that? Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the motion smoothing. Yeah, she was like, is that on? And then I'd turn it on and go, no, that's what that looks like. This is just crisp. Unless people listening are going, no, he's wrong. <laughs> Something's wrong on his TV, but I don't know. At the beginning we'll do of further research when we get together to watch the Tubi original. Yes, that's true. The best bonus feature ever is on. I don't even think it was a bonus feature. I think it plays before the movie on the disc for Mission Impossible Fallout. Tom Cruise and the director come on and say, look, movies are supposed to look good at home and motherfuckers might have that motion smoothing on. And then I... they tell you how to turn it off. Anyways. Yes. All right, we're back from Sam's call. I was going to make a joke about it, what, what it was, but I couldn't come up with anything fast enough. So, oh, oh well. Anyway, we, uh, yeah, let's, where we, if you heard the last episode, which if you didn't, that's weird. You, we spun the wheel of Willis and we got blind date and we stopped recording. And Sam messaged me and said, if this movie tries to make me laugh, I'm going to burn this city to the ground. Because that's what you do. That and we've discussed this, I think, probably in the Once Upon a Time in Venice episode, and definitely on So Do We Still Like This, the other podcast where we appear on. Yeah, I think it's I think it's well known at this point that comedies are not my most favoritist of genres. Yeah, like that time we went to go see Horrible Bosses, and you stormed out of the theater and started screaming about getting your money back because you were like, "I thought this was a documentary on people being overworked in the workplace." but these motherfuckers are telling jokes and I'm not happy. It was a very awkward outing for everybody. Honestly, my, my thing where I keep saying that I hate comedies really doesn't pan out when you realize that like, I've actually liked most of the comedies that we've done for. So do you still like this? So do we still like this? And also that the last the movie that I saw was a comedy and I enjoyed it, it yeah, very much. You enjoyed very much. Yeah. You have five yeah, your stars. Whole, your whole persona is just falling apart around you. Yep. But. Well, but we'll talk about this comedy, I guess. Yeah. In fairness to you, this is not your standard comedy. This is the hardest kind of comedy to pull off. I guess so I, when, again, to pimp the other podcast. So do we still like this? We just did without a paddle and we refer to shenanigans so I think this is what we have to refer to as a shenanigans comedy. Or hijinks. A little bit yeah, of both. Well, slapstick comedy, I think, yeah. is the official That's not Hollywood term. But yeah, where everything, it's not like naked gun levels of you're watching clearly a live action cartoon, but everything is very hyper reality. Everybody is playing it to the back row, just dialed up to 11 and these are the, uh, to me, I think, perhaps other than dark comedy, one of the hardest things to pull off. It's without, hard to keep it engaging. Yeah. And to just not have it become exhausting, which I think is what happens with this movie. Very whereby, much. Where there are bits and pieces in the early stages where we were, you know, okay, we're getting some chuckles out of this. And then by the end, I was just making my daughter's lunch in the kitchen at the same time. We're looking up to be like, yeah, we're still doing this. 
Great. Uh, but I guess we should set it up. So Blind Date, 1987. This is early, early, early Willis. This is it's his first major role, right? Major well, movie on, role. Yeah, on the big screen. This is when he was doing moonlighting. And this was him. This was Bruce Willis. You know, kind of funny, the funny everyman guy. I actually pulled some quotes from Roger Ebert's review at the time. So now the Willis, obviously, that we know now was not the Willis of the early days. Stuff like this when it came to, because Die Hard is a year after this. And watching this movie, I do kind of now see a little bit at least why the people making Die Hard when presented with Bruce Willis went, no, that's, he's this guy. He's the comedy dude. He can't, no. Of course, now we know Die Hard is absolutely, you may not. I know Die Hard is perfect for him. I've seen bits. But here are are a couple of quotes from the Ebert review to really show the difference in Willis then versus now. The hero is played by Walt. The hero is Walter Davis, played by Moonlighting's Bruce Willis, as such a nerd that the small end of his tie hangs down below the big end. Willis plays a nerd so successfully that he fades into the shrubbery and never really makes us care about his fate. Which is actually true, but it's just strange to see a review that says, oh, Willis is so good at playing just a dorky nothing of a man. Like, nerd? Like, Kind of. Did, did nerd have a different meaning in the 80s? Because it's not all I that guess, nerdy. I guess I'm taking it more as, you know, just sort of a, like a sad sacky kind of, I don't know. Maybe it meant, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to see if the definition of nerd has changed. I feel like the definition of nerd now is different because it used True. to be someone who was into comic books. And now every comic book movie makes a billion goddamn dollars. So... <laughs> Has it shifted more to anime, maybe? But anime movies are huge, too. So I don't know what a nerd is anymore. Uh, I feel like it's kind of changed that, like, yeah, the nerds are the geeks now. I don't know. I don't know. Nerd nerd screams pocket protector to me. Yeah. Do we still make pocket protectors? Did we ever? Or was that just a lie pushed on us by movies like Revenge of the Nerds? (laughs) Big pocket protector. Big pocket protector. They had their run. Uh, so yeah, this was, this is like as far back as we can go. The plot won't take long to set up. I'll let you handle that. Bruce Willis is a middlingly successful business person nerd. Uh, There is a company event with some big shot from Japan and he needs a date and he does not have a date because his, I guess, kind of on again, off again, date person is an embalmer and he got told not to bring the embalmer to the event shenanigans shenanigans yes the embalmer was not welcome so he gets his brother well he doesn't really want his brother to set him up originally he wants to take his sister-in-law as his date but his brother convinces him to take their friend but don't let her drink because she gets zany when she drinks and shenanigans ensue yeah, his friend so is played many. by played by Phil Hartman. There's a lot of good in the early stages. A lot of good. Oh, this part, like Phil. It's always exciting when Phil Hartman shows up. And this movie could have used a little bit more of him because he's funny. As moments, as 
Walter's crooked car dealer brother. He has a couple good bits, but yeah, the whole thing is, oh, if you give her any alcohol, but the way Phil Hartman's wife is saying it as though, you know, she'll go out of control. Don't do it. But Phil Hartman is then translating it more as like, she'll go she'll, out of control. Mm, yeah, like exactly. Sexy like out of a, control. Like in a sexy way. So Bruce Willis busts out that convenience store champagne that the ladies love. Right? You can't deny. Who doesn't love a $6 bottle of champagne? Yeah. If there's anything that's going to get the ladies out of control, it's that you spent a single digit amount of dollars on the champagne that you brought over and that you also bought a couple of Hostess cupcakes at the same time. And yeah, then that's pretty much it. She drinks she proceeds to basically ruin his entire life over the course of the night by his boss is oh, is basically is how do we just explain it his wife is very much the, the sexist role of a wife you know you don't speak unless spoken to the man sits down first then you can sit down you don't eat until i eat so she calls him out on his bullshit and gets bruce willis fired and other stuff she rips a pocket she rips a bunch of pockets yeah she That's rips like a his, whole bit his suit and then she has a crazy ex-boyfriend played by john larroquette and i was pretty excited when john larroquette showed up he's playing a little bit against type in that he's usually more the the quiet asshole but here he's as the material dictates dialed up real high and his first couple scenes are okay. And then this movie doesn't know when to stop. So the whole thing is he is Kim Basinger. Did we even say the no, date is Kim say. Basinger? The date is Kim Basinger. That's a really good cast. And I mean, they're all given it. They're all like, yeah. they're all good in it. It's just the material that they're selling may not it's be bad. worthy. Yeah. Like Kim Basinger is all in. So credit to her, but. Yeah, John Larroquette's whole thing is he just shows up in almost every scene. And I get what they're going for. Just the idea that this guy turns up everywhere is completely ridiculous. But by his third appearance, when he showed up, it was just, you know, oh, no. Like, You're trying to drill her? <laughs> I'll kill you. Like, and yeah. that's just like, you son of a bitch, which at first I found funny that he continuously only called him you son of a bitch, even casually. I like that, but yeah, exactly. That's all it is, is you trying to drill her, you son of a bitch, you're trying to drill her. It's like, okay. Yeah, like, it's just, it goes on too long. Like, ev- like every bit of this movie that's funny, it by the end, is just beating a dead horse. Yeah, I did like the bits with him, like, driving into various businesses, and, like, by the end, his car and himself were just, like, disgusting, and he's got, like, a monkey and a bird, and, like, it was kind of funny. Yeah, there's there's also yeah, and there's really I don't know, I feel like the tone is a bit strange because again to go back to something like the naked gun, the tone is consistent. Like it's very silly, it's got a very anything can happen attitude, whereas this one is a little more based in reality, but then you have exactly weird things like a monkey will show up, or there's one scene where they go to something they go up to go to a house and all of a sudden a truck pulls the house away and is never explained it has nothing it doesn't matter to the plot of the movie 
it's not sold well. How the fuck did they not see that something was getting ready to pull this house away as they walked up to it? Yeah, it's like it was there to move the plot forward, but like it didn't really do anything except it, you know. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Like nothing. It, it, yeah. And it's, it's just an event. It yeah, it's a thing that happens. And you we both just kind of went, wait, what? And that was it. The director, I, it's not too surprising to know that it's it's Blake Edwards who did all of the Pink Panther movies. So that explains that. That. I've only actually ever seen the first Pink Panther and then the Steve Martin Pink Panther, which I don't think he had anything to do with, but... I think I've seen all of the old Pink Panthers, but, like, we're talking 20-plus years ago. So I I think that maybe my sense of humor has changed slightly. Evolved, perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps, yes. The director, the writer, though, Dale, um, I'm not going to, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, L-A-U-N-E-R, Lawner? Lawner? Dale Lawner, maybe? That sounds right. He's written some, he wrote My Cousin Vinny. So. Yeah. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is a good movie. Ruthless People I've never seen, but... And then, yeah, he wrote My Cousin Vinny, and then kind of kind of nothing, which is weird, because that's such a beloved movie. Now he's still alive. Mm, okay. Maybe he wrote a couple of things. It's just nothing I've really heard of, which is, again, strange, because My Cousin Vinny was 30 years ago, and it I did thought well. really well-loved. I'm pretty sure he was nominated for an Oscar for writing that movie no he wasn't but he was nominated for an award circuit community award that's probably just as good (laughs) so still something to be proud of my favorite red carpet of the season absolutely i'm really excited for them to get back on the red carpet after so many years oh it was up for no never mind it was up for mtv movie awards but just for (laughs) marissa tomei and joe pesci Oh, well, still, people like that movie. What else do we have to say about Blind Date? Again, comedy is hard. The only reason we got through it without a paddle episode is because we just talked about a bunch of different stuff. I mean, that one also, like, had a plot. This one doesn't. It It follows the major beats of a romantic comedy, but it just doesn't work here and i don't even know if that's maybe the joke because one of the biggest things of that take me out of a romantic comedy is if i don't want the leads to get together i don't think i'm unique in that if you're actively cheering for these two to be apart and something went wrong and this movie has that bit where you know they fight and then there's this realization of wait we actually love each other but you spent one horrific night together that ended with one of you in prison. Yeah. And she bails him out. And that's pretty much the only, and she gets John Larroquette, who then we find out is a lawyer to defend him, to get him out of going to jail. Because the reason he's going to go to jail is because in the sequence that highlight kind of highlights the movie is when Bruce Willis finally gets to really go full Bruce Willis and show goes to this party with her and just goes ballistic, like completely yeah, she, over the top. 
she's been saying all night while she's drunk, like, there's this party at my friend's place. We should go to this party, 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 party. And Bruce Willis is like, you've ruined my life. We are not going to a party. And then it just, he becomes more and more unhinged. Like the more sober she gets, the more insane he gets. So they go to this house party. He drinks like six drinks in rapid succession and then just goes completely balls to the walls insane yep. bruce willis which was great and yes. there was actually the two best bits of the movie i think came here one is that everyone he meets he introduces himself with a completely different job title so everyone is just like god damn it i can't remember them now but everyone is like walter davis gynecologist to the stars walter davis like everyone he so i thought that that was funny. yeah unlike the john larroquette running joke which is just throughout the entire movie so you get sick of it this was you know a couple minutes of rapid fire, like Walter Davis, this is this. And then he, I forget where he gets the gun. It's I, it was when car. the house, yeah. When the house gets pulled away, there's like three women that try to mug him. And then the cops show up and the gun falls into his car. Yes, that's it. Uh, and then he has the gun and he's pointing it at John Larroquette's character. And then he does the shooting at his feet and makes him dance. And obviously I won't be able to replicate it, but what Willis sells it terrifically. He's just telling him all these different dances to do. And then he goes, do a moonwalk. And then John Larroquette starts moonwalking and Willis immediately goes, I hate that shit. And starts shooting, shooting. at him. By so I thought that was really funny. Part of the movie. Like that got a genuine, like laugh out loud from me. The, that yeah that did for me and i think the only other one was the reveal when he's taught when john larroquette's talking to the judge and the judge clearly doesn't like that john larroquette's there and he's like okay if you help me with this i will stop practicing law in your district and then the reveal at the end is that it's his dad yep i thought that that was good that wasn't bad of course then we spend the last 20 minutes at their house as Willis, maybe that's the sequence they saw because Willis does have to sneak around a house without getting caught, which is basically diehard. He doesn't shoot anybody in this movie, he shoots at them. So the, the pieces are there. He handles a gun, he sneaks around, he makes jokes, he gets to be charming. So the foundation is kind of all, all there for him to play John McClane. I, I, I see it. And I did appreciate now that you say it. That she, as she got more, you know, as Kim Basinger becomes more of the straight man, he gets to go in the other direction versus having the two of them at that yeah. level the whole time. So at least there's a trade-off of that. They're not both going to be crazy. But yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say these kinds of comedies need good plots, obviously. But it needed just, more than it had. Yeah. And the third act, oh, we actually love each other. I didn't I don't, care. Again, I yeah, exactly. I don't know if the joke was supposed to be that it's so stupid they would want to be together, but to have the last act be at this wedding and he's going to crash it and they're going to get together and then, oh, they're on their honeymoon and they got Coke instead of alcohol. Turn the label to the camera, please. I just If the joke was supposed to be that it's ridiculous that they would want to be together, then okay, but... It didn't feel like it. it no. Felt like we were supposed to be rooting for them to get together. And the only reason to do that is because they're both attractive people. And like, what really got me too was just like 
Kim Basinger's character's reaction, like when Bruce Willis comes to like pay her back and she's saying that he's being ungrateful and this and that, and that like trying to play as if like he ruined her life. And it's like, really? Cause, oh, and like trying to blame him because like, oh, you knew I shouldn't have alcohol. Well, so did you and you still drank it. So I don't know. I just, it made me really dislike her and I didn't really care at that point if she was yeah. stuck in a loveless marriage with John Larroquette. Yeah. It's just, it's too little too late at the end. Didn't care. Didn't nope. care. I did just, did just read that uh, our writer friend, Dale, Dale Launer, Launer, sorry, Dale. I, I don't know which it is. Uh, has pretty much disowned the movie. He wrote the original script. They changed it a whole bunch. And then he went that. Nope, 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 nope. So that explains yeah. how the same guy could have also written My Cousin Vinny. Something I read that is verified here. Would you like to take a guess? Who? It's presented differently depending on the source. One place I read made it seem like it was almost a done thing, which apparently it was not. What 80s pop superstar was offered the Kim Basinger role? Was it Madonna? It was Madonna. This was going to be a Madonna and Sean Penn joint. Oh, God. That's what I had read, but now I'm reading that they offered it to Madonna, and she said, well, because she was married to Sean Penn at the time, that she went, well, I want Sean Penn in the movie. And they went, well, no, we we got Bruce Willis. And so it didn't happen. But I'd really like to see the version of this movie. Although I guess Sean Penn was kind of more known for being a funny dude in the 80s. He's not the the guy we know now, which is much harder to picture. They did I mean, announce Madonna is a... also not a good actor. So there was that. I'm trying to think if I've seen a single Madonna-led movie. And I don't know that I have. Because she's... Uh, what? Let's see. Can we name some Madonna films? She was in that guy. Evita. That's the only one I can think of. Oh, Swept Away. Yeah, the one that, that pretty one. much ended her career. <laughs> yeah, I never saw that one. I didn't see Evita. Truth or Dare, I think, was a Madonna movie. I didn't see that. I don't know if I've ever seen a Madonna-led movie. Wait, was she in Dick Tracy? You would know. know as the world's leading fan of Dick Tracy, but only the movie. She was in Die Another Day, but she wasn't the star. She was just a fencing instructor and she pulled off her fencing mask and you went, oh shit, it's Madonna, Madonna. but also it's 2002, so I don't don't really care. (laughs) Your song for this movie is not very good. I'm just, I'm I'm now, I'm looking up. Oh, A League of Their Own. Fuck. (laughs) Of course. She's good in that movie. Okay, well, I'll take your word for it. I've seen none of these. Oh, so we, yeah, we did an episode. I never saw Desperately Seeking Susan. She's got some good stuff attached to her name. She wasn't Dick Tracy. She played, she played Breathless Mahoney. That's a very Dick Tracy ass name. Body of evidence. Anyway, yeah, apparently Madonna was, that's a version of this movie I wouldn't have minded seeing. Yeah, that would have been different. They announced in 2018 they were going to remake this movie. Clearly nothing Why? came out. Exactly. Oh my God. Why? You don't need to remake a movie like Blind Date. You could just make another silly comedy with almost the same premise. But make it good. No one's going to care. But that clearly hasn't gotten off the ground. I don't see a world where it does. 
what they should do is remake it now with Madonna and Sean Penn. That's the movie I want to see. Like a a version where when Sean Penn is shooting at the ex-boyfriend, you're actually worried. (laughs) This motherfucker has murder in his eyes. So I believe it. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say about this one. I hated this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I suspected you did. Uh yeah, one of the man, we should make it like a Patreon thing where you can you get a copy of our chats when we're watching these Willis movies. Because even when we're watching the the other stuff, the lesser stuff in many cases, except not here, not here, uh, we will be still very active and chatty. But I feel like for this one, we would just go 15 to 20 minutes at a time without saying anything. And then when we did, it would just be some version of pretty much yeah comedy i love a lot of old movies but definitely comedy it's it's the toughest genre to keep alive i think right probably yeah Yeah, i feel like I feel like jokes and humor like change so rapidly, like just what's okay and what's funny. And like, I mean, to its credit, this movie didn't go fully offensive. Like there's some sexist jokes and stuff, but I think like that's just a product of its time. This was not offensive. It was just offensively bad. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was obnoxious. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think the cast is good. I think Willis is good as the straight man. And when he gets to be funny, it's the best part of the movie. Kim Basinger is really going for it. John Larroquette's really going for it. Phil Hartman's is perfectly usual kind of smarmy self. They're all good. It's just, it's just not much you can do. No, the material. like what the they're act, working with. The acting is good. The material is bad. Like that's exactly. basically what yeah. it comes down to. Oh, and there's also yeah. Mr. Feeney. We didn't touch on the fact that you know, the father is Mr. Feeney. There was, oh, and the principal from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer show pops in as the waiter at the restaurant too. So that's always fun to see, hey, you're a person I recognize from later on. That gave us a couple moments of, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV screen meme, but yeah, I I don't know. I I find too that with a lot of like 80s and 70s big comedy stuff, when you watch it for the first time now, it just kind of thuds. At least that's been my experience. I mean, I don't, I don't watch a lot of it because, again, I don't love comedy as a genre. Like, it's not something. Like, very rarely will I go. Mm, I'm in the mood for a comedy, and I'm probably not leaning into stuff that old when I do. Yeah, I remember when Netflix first launched in Canada. We signed up for the trial, and there was. It's weird to think about this time, but there was nothing. Like, just nothing to watch on Netflix Canada. We, but so we were digging and digging and we eventually settled on the Chevy chase comedy Fletch. Cause we were like, well, I don't know. It's supposed to be really good. Ugh. And it was very similar to blind Date, where we just both kind of sat there stone face the whole time and went, okay, that's 90 minutes of your life. You'll never get back. That's that. And I've found that, you know, I got actually maybe it's just Chevy chase. Cause I also watched him and Goldie Hawn in foul play which is like was his first big movie. 
maybe a month or two ago and kind of had the same thing. Like, this is a little too long. It's I'm not getting much out of this. I don't know. There's a lot of great comedy from the eighties too. I can't name one, but I'm sure that Fucking they exist. Ghost, Ghostbusters. I didn't care for Ghostbusters. That's hysterical. You're just weird. Uh, well, there's surely more than one. But I mean, I liked Christmas Vacation. If we're talking Chevy Chase, yeah, Christmas Vacation. Uh, I think that was '89, so right on the cusp. It's, it still counts, but it makes it. Uh, the Bill Murray comedy Scrooge was the '80s. That is a very yeah, that one was comedy. good. So again, maybe it's just Bill Murray. I don't know. Well, Chevy Chase gets one in there. Yeah. So yeah, it can happen, but Beverly Hills Cop. I didn't see that. Welcome to our Can We Just Name Movies podcast. (laughs) Although speaking of comedies from the 80s, let's get into, I pulled up because I knew that Blind Date, well, actually, maybe you don't. It was not critically well-received at all. So actually, you know what? It's not even that we're watching it now and going, this doesn't hold up. Critics didn't like it. It was never good. So, but it was a big hit with audiences. So how well do you think it did on its opening weekend on March, the weekend of March 27th, 1987? Like, are we talking box office ranking or like how much it made? Give me either one. I was looking more for ranking. Okay. I'm guessing that it was third. It's number one. Holy shit. It opened at number one with 7.5 million in 1987 dollars. It beat... It beat Lethal Weapon, which was going into its fourth weekend. Listen to this top 10. This is crazy. Blind Date, then Lethal Weapon, then Platoon, which had been in playing for 15 weeks at that point and just cracked 100 million. Hmm. Big weekend for Platoon. Couple I don't really know. Tin Men, which is apparently a Disney movie. Something called Burglar. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And then we got Hoosiers, Mannequin. I got another one I don't know. Outrageous Fortune, Angel Heart, and then right out of the top ten, Crocodile Dundee. The '80s man. It's quite the lineup. So here's the question, though: How long did it stay in the number one spot? Because one thing I learned as I went down this rabbit hole of '80s box office things is that movies would stay at number one. For a really long time. Yeah, but was Blind Date one of them? Like, because I'm I'm guessing it only stayed there for like two weeks. Just one. Okay. But I think we can both agree that the movie that dethroned it is a worthy one that has stood the test of time far better. Police Academy Four Citizens <laughs> on Patrol. <laughs> The fact that that was ever a number one movie. Holy shit. And it made more than Blind Date did in its first weekend. 8.4 million. Sorry, Blind Date. Man. You can't argue with what the people want. And what the people wanted was a fourth Police Academy movie. And they made like three more. So, But don't even worry about it because Police Academy 4 only lasted for one week. And that was then dethroned by that Michael J. Fox movie I was telling you about. The Secret of My Success, which just stays there for a really long time. Hmm. But Blind Date hangs in there. I'm into May, and it's still in the top five. 
still clicking. Creep Show 2 just opened. Blind Date went from third to number two. Still hanging in there. Two to four. Lethal Weapons climbing back up. Oh, here's Beverly Hills Cop 2 knocking everybody down. <laughs> Blind Date goes from four to nine. Crocodile Dundee's back in the top ten. <laughs> it was gone for the longest time. And then all of a sudden everyone looked around and went, where did that Paul Hogan movie go? And they all just went back out to see that one. Lethal Weapon is back above Blind Date now. Ernest goes to camp, knocking Secret of My Success down. Fuck, the 80s were great. There's another great 80s comedy. Ernest goes to camp. We're still Is that number on... one. No, number two. Okay, Beverly, okay. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Okay. Um, knocking it down. We're uh, I, I'm in the May the weekend of May 29th. Blind date's still in the top 10. It's in 10. It's barely hanging on. And oh, it's gone. It took oh. till June, though. Sorry, when did it come out? March 27th. Holy shit. Okay, that's, so that's a good run for two full months in the top 10. Yeah. Going toe to toe with Creep Show 2 and Platoon's fucking still in the top 10 by June 5th. I mean, as it should be. It's an it actual is a good movie. But Theoretically, now, I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Harry and the Hendersons just joined the fight, though, to fuck everyone's shit up. Every I could do this. I was saying this to you yesterday. I could do this for another hour and a half, just <laughs> clicking through a year in the 80s. Because then you click one more time and Predator and the Witches of Eastwick just showed up. They just kicked in the door and Predator's looking around and going, who am I up against? And the answer is the, Mar- the Steve Martin comedy, Roxanne. Then Dragnet and Spaceballs show up. Those Parker, opened the this same is how day. People, this is how people should announce like horse races. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh shit, and a new horse has shown up. <laughs> Dark Thunder is in the race. <laughs> But that would be a way more exciting horse race, though, if all of a sudden oh, one 100%. could run in from a side door that wasn't there at the start of the race. What the fuck is going on? There's a white horse out there now. No one's even riding this horse. That's about all I had to say about the box office from Blind Day. But yeah, it was it was a hit. I don't get it. Which is weird because I feel like now... People must have liked it because the only way for a movie to sustain itself like that these days, because pretty much now everyone who wants to see a movie sees it opening weekend and then you just watch it consistently drop. Twitter has ruined it for everyone. You basically have to see like anything that has like any kind of following. You have to see it opening weekend. Otherwise, Twitter will take a perverse pleasure in spoiling it for you. That is incredibly true. Yep. So you'll see things like well, obviously the Marvel movies and stuff like that will have these massive weekends and then they'll drop 60% and people will go, oh, it happens every time. But it looked like back then, like fucking Crocodile Dundee. Didn't even seem like it was playing in theaters anymore. Just people brought their own copies and paid to watch it there. And it gets to go back into the top 10, which these days is unheard of. The only one that I can remember and it's happening right now is everything, everywhere, all at once. I thought we were going to go with Spider-Man because that one also dropped off and then seemed to like. Yeah, that's true. Spider-Man just left our theater this week. It opened what, like December 17th last year or something crazy. Yeah. We're recording this May 17th. So exactly five months later. And like it had like before it left, it didn't have like one 9 p.m. showtime. Like it still had like. 
oh, a yeah, couple of can... consistent because I know I had like an afternoon off a few weeks ago and I was going to go see a movie and there was nothing <laughs> except also Spider-Man. You should have went to go see it just to be that person. I would have been really confused, I think. Having That's seen also like, very true. Having seen neither of the previous Spider-Man movies and like none of the Marvel movies since like the first Avenger movie. Yeah, this might not have been the movie for you, but still would have been fun to be the person seeing Spider-Man in May. But I would click the Showtime and see tickets sold. Yeah. So people, people were going. But yeah, everything everywhere all at once is kind of the one case I can remember recently where a movie just it just isn't declining week to week. It's like it'll gain a spot or it'll just maintain because word of mouth. But were people in 87 really going around and going, oh, shit, man, you got to go see that movie with the moonlighting guy. There's a bit where they pull a house. Fucking hilarious. You gotta. Let's go do some cocaine. And go see Blind Date because I assume everyone in the 80s was wearing business suits and doing cocaine and then going to see Blind Date. People are lined up around the block to get into Blind Date. They probably were. That's a weird thought. That is an experience I haven't thought about. Remember having to line up to get a, go see a movie and then they'd open the doors and you'd be fighting to go get a good seat? That wasn't even that long ago. No, we definitely did that for the Avengers. Now that you say the Avengers, I remember that. But yeah, I feel like the theaters with assigned seating were a cool anomaly. Yeah. I mean, I remember like when we worked at the theater, my very first weekend working was The Dark Knight. And like that was madness, like huge lineups and people like rushing to get in and yeah. Turning people away. That's the thing we sometimes had to do, people, is tell people who wanted to see a movie that they can't because there's no more room for them. People went to go see Knocked Up and just stood at the back. (laughs) And then I went in and went, I'm supposed to stop this, but I just don't care. And then I left. (laughs) Yeah, that beats me. My first weekend was Spider-Man 3, which was huge, but not Dark Knight huge. We still have a lot to do, so we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, blind date, not good. No, terrible. Sorry. I I had a couple of chuckles, but like I think in my I think on Letterboxd I gave it 1.5 stars, and those stars are for Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis only. I think I gave it two for pretty much that exact reason. Um, yeah, we aren't going to be ranking his old stuff in any way. Um, just because having two separate ranked lists or having one merged ranked list feels insane. And he's done a lot of stuff. I think when I checked Letterboxd, he had like 176 movie credits to his name. Yeah, but some of that stuff is just Bruce Willis appears uncredited in one scene of Ocean's 12 or something like that, which I don't think we need to watch Ocean's 12 because it's also not good. But yeah, if we were to actually put Blind Date up against the other stuff we've been watching... There are not many of his direct-to-DVD stuff that I would not watch first. Yeah, like, I think that that's what we had talked about, right? Was that we're not going to, like, necessarily rank it, but we'll maybe say, if we were to rank it, just as a one-off, where would it land? Yeah, it would be near the bottom of the stuff that we've watched for this show. Even think, like, not hard kill, but even if someone went, do you want to watch Blind Date or Cosmic Sin? I'd go, one, who the fuck are you to ask me this question? (laughs) But two, 
maybe cosmic sin. Cause I'd go, well, I don't know. Maybe there's something I missed the first time around <laughs> where I'm not going to get anything out of a second viewing a blind date. So I don't know. It's right at the bottom. It's yeah, it's close. I don't think I would put it quite that low just because like, I think I would maybe put it above Marauders, if only because I really would never want to revisit Marauders either. Like, that movie I, was so boring. I might, though, just to go, I don't know. The director said that I need to watch this twice to get everything. <laughs> so I'm going to do what he asked. <laughs> yeah, but Marauders also has about 15 minutes longer in length. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But, yeah, like, any so like Once Upon a Time in Venice is a far better comedy Oh, 100%. Precious Cargo is a much better comedy. Yeah. Catch 44 is a much better comedy. Yep. So to anyone who is out there saying, oh, the new era of Willis has nothing on the old. Well, so far, (laughs) very not true. We'll have to see because you know what? Maybe it's time we're going to do because we're falling a little bit behind on the show. You're going to get a double dose of movie choices. We're going to spin the wheel of Willis. And we're going to random number generate our next one from our directed DVD batch. So maybe let's start small because once we spin it, we can stop. Whereas the other one has a few more steps. Let's maybe start by spinning the wheel of Willis. I have to find my wheel of Willis again. God damn it. I, I went back to the ranking. At least I think I can probably tell everyone. Nope. Do we, I don't even have it in front of me. Do we want to know? Rem- oh. See if I can remember what was on it. Uh, I know we just added Hudson Hawk in place of Blind Date. Looper is on there. Hostage. Striking Distance. Mm -hmm. Did I put 16 blocks on there? You did. Ah, What's the sixth? Unbreakable. So I was wrong. I've actually seen two of the the six. Oh, man. I hope we get Unbreakable. Okay. Sam, spin that shit. We're going to get Hudson Hawk. I know we're going to get Hudson Hawk. Oh, it was so close. Looper. Oh, and you know what? That's but, like, fine, too. It was, it was so close to being, I don't know if you can, you can't, but anyways, no, whatever. your background's it, blurred. Yeah, my background's so blurred, so it's not working. You're just holding up a Vaseline nightmare. <laughs> anyways, it landed, like, literally, like, one, like, 48th of an inch into Looper from Unbreakable. I'm ready to watch Looper again, though. Yeah, I think so. that'll be that'll be interesting. But we talked about it, right? Up until very recently, Looper was the last movie we saw in theaters together. Yep. Thanks with my brother, weirdly enough. Talent. All right. So now that's... Uh, okay. Next up, then. Hit us with a random number generator. What are, are we, we watching from the DTV era? Are we still at 29? Uh, were we ever? I'm at 28. Okay, well, <laughs> 20. I had 29, but the newest one I added was Gasoline Alley because okay. that's pretty widely available now. I did notice this morning that Fortress Sniper's Eye is out digitally here, so that's in the cards. Except if we add it and get it, that would mean we just are watching. I think we would have to say, okay, well, we can't watch the sequel first, so yeah, we have, have to, to watch, watch Fortress, one. and that feels like just. I don't know. Having two spots for the same movie doesn't feel right. Yeah. Do we add in the Tubi movie, though? Oh, we didn't add in the Tubi movie. Okay, yeah, we do have to add. So number 29, Corrective Measures. And technically, A Day to Die came out today, but I didn't see it digitally. The Blu-ray is on its way to me. <laughs> but I didn't see a digital release for that one. 
still the best the best title of a Bruce Willis direct to DVD movie. I don't know. There's some good ones coming up. I personally, in terms of just sheer good movie, I think Gasoline Alley. Keep trying to say it with a Z. I don't know why, but Gasoline, yeah, Gasoline. All right, what are we watching next? I will say, like, okay, so it's not a good title altogether. It's a good title for a Bruce Willis movie because it's so dumb. Like, it's not a good day to die. We're not dying hard. It's just a day to die. It's just a day to die. There could be more. We don't want people to get confused. With his actual good movies. Tomorrow might be a day to live. We don't know. We We just know about today. It's a day to die. Uh, I spun 13, which I don't think we've done. No, that would be Acts of Violence. That's another one where, because we haven't had to guess a plot in a while. And that is, again, another one that that could be anything. Uh, I'll let you pick first. What do you think Acts of Violence is going to be about? Okay, first off, acts or like acts, like. Oh no, yours is way better. A A C T S. Okay. Acts. Okay. Perfect. Acts <laughs> of violence would be amazing. I'd watch that movie. It's a man who has numerous axes. This is my axe of peace. This is my axe for just lumber purposes. But this is my violence axe, and I oh, never like- want to have to take this one off the wall. I mean, he kind of had that with all of his baseball bats and I think Marauders. Was it Marauders where he had all the baseball bats? Was that Marauders or Once Upon a Time in Venice? No, that was Marauders. He had a baseball bat in Once Upon a Time in Venice, but I think it was just the one. Just the one, yeah. Uh, I think Acts of Violence is probably going to be another hostage thing where like, his daughter or someone's daughter gets kidnapped and Bruce Willis is going to have to, in some way, save her from Acts of Violence. I was thinking something very similar, except it's more revenge. Like his mm. wife has been killed already. Okay. And his acts of violence. I can't pronounce it <laughs> with the TS. It's too hard. Is that he's going to, you know, I'm going to go out there and get the guys who did this. Yeah, that tracks too. I think maybe also we're giving Bruce too big of a role in this, but that's fine. Oh, that's true. He is on the, I guess he's on the cover of all. He's on the cover of literally every single one of these. That is meaningless. But he often at least shares the space with who will actually be the star. Like Jesse Metcalf is on the cover of Hard Kill. The Frank Grillo is on the cover of Cosmic Sin. This one is just Bruce Willis. So. Okay. I'm going to stick with it. He is the star of this movie. I'm going to IMDb it. There's another dude on the cover, Cole Hauser. Oh, uh, there is on the, yeah, in the American release. You're right. Oh, it's got one of the Ashmore brothers. Okay, well, I might be wrong then. It's just on the Canadian cover where it's just him. So, all right. The first review in IMDb, we got a tread lightly. Six out of 10, enjoyable B grade action thriller. One and a half stars. Whatever. Famous quotes from Bruce Willis. All right, everybody. I want you to grab your liquor of choice, pour some in a glass, and drink along with me anytime I say B-grade action movie. Uh Enjoyable B-grade action thriller. Wow, after reading some of the bad reviews, I almost didn't watch it. 
I love the way people go out of the way to watch a movie that they know is a B grade action movie and then come on IMDb and write a review that describes everything you should expect in a B grade action movie. So let me write a list of things that you should expect in a B grade action movie and check those off first. Amateur script, check. Amateur story, check. This isn't true at all. <laughs> Amateur acting, check, but above expected. Amateur camera work, check. But then again, better than usual. Plot holes, check. I like B-grade action movies, and when compared to the rest, and I've seen a lot, lots all in capitals, I'd give this a solid 6.5, as it kept me interested and entertained for the majority of the 86, ooh, that's short, minute runtime. Hmm. I disagree with everything he said about B-grade action movies, which is too bad, <laughs> because that was his entire thesis, but... Uh, I've got a one-star review from Letterboxd. Nothing like watching naked strippers grinding on men with your mama. Heart emoji. Okay. See, that is like an Amazon <laughs> review because it's less about the experience or about the product than it was the experience of it. So I'm not going to count that one. Uh, three stars. Not that bad, actually. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I want. Uh, let's head on over to... I should note it had, a, uh, I think, a 5.3 on IMDb got a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 2.1 on Letterboxd, which is actually respectable. Yeah. I just watched a Liam Neeson movie last night that has a 1.9, and I actually quite enjoyed it. So Blind Date had a 2.8 for comparison purposes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, the, even the Rotten Tomatoes stuff, for the most part, aside from the one, the zero, and the F... <laughs> A lot of it say <laughs> it's it's well, there's also a 0.5 out of four, but okay. The ones I saw first were very it's fine. Those are sometimes like the worst ones though, because like there's just nothing to them. Yeah. It's fine. I guess it's we'll fine. see. I'm kind of excited to jump back considering our last one was airstrike. Oh god. I'll even take something that's a little more middling. Yeah, airstrike was airstrike was. It was. It I was. Just... They struck the fuck out of that air, though. <laughs> no denying that. People were getting air struck in all over the place. Arguably too much. At a certain point, you just wanted to tell the airstrikes to, you know, just come back to the ground. Just, chill. just relax. Just sit still for a bit. You don't need to hit anything for a while. Um, yeah, I guess that's, Jesus Christ, that was probably our longest episode ever. Coming off of airstrike. <laughs> Which, which was it's our like longest episode and we talked about nothing it was like 22 airstrike is 22 minutes and it's just us going like it's just we're so sad so it's it's nice that it's nice to get that energy boost back yeah i'm i'm reinvigorated i'm excited for looper i'm excited for acts of violence i'm excited to get back into it he's got some more stuff come i'm just excited for bruce maybe that's our new thing that we end every episode with we're excited for more bruce yeah. There we're, you go. We're excited to continue the hunt. There we go. Let's sign off because Jesus talking <laughs> for a long time. Yeah.